0: Okay, welcome back to the Curiously Guided Podcast, the place for intuitive business owners and curious minds. We're your host, Shay and Mariah, and today we're so excited to share a wonderful conversation we had with our new friend, Holly Haynes, who's a business strategist and coach. Um, we were initially kind of magnetized to Holly because she has um, a big message out there about like building an antisocial business. She has antisocial schools. She talks about antisocial marketing. And as you guys know, that's something that um, rings really close to Mariah and I's hearts. And so uh, Holly is just like, I felt like she was just sharing sage wisdom, like sound advice. She has, I've gone back to this episode and like taken notes. I took a lot away from it just in terms of how Mariah and I are running this podcast, but Holly has over 20 years of experience in the corporate world, working on large scale business strategies. And she's taken that expertise and now started her own business kind of similar to Mariah and I, just out of a desire to have more lifestyle design and more control over how she's spending her days and spending time with family. And she really just like pulled the curtain back on a lot of things for us. You know, um, I really, she shares this idea about a 10-year question in the episode that I think is so powerful. Um, She kind of demystified what it means to work in corporate and how it's not really that different from those of us that are out here running our own things in the online business world. And um, really just a lot about simplifying and things don't need to be so complicated. Things don't need to be so complex. You can really slice and dice this online business world in any way that suits you. So I think Holly is just an incredible example. After we hit record, I thanked her. I said, you know, you're you're the real deal. And her story is just so inspiring. And I hope that it gives you guys a lot of, um, you know, inspiration and ideas about how you could kind of take some of these things and apply them to your own business.
1: Yeah, I think Holly coming on, like, I don't think that she realized it, but I think throughout the conversation, like, she ended up coaching us, like, <laughs> through shit that we were talking about behind the scenes, about the podcast, about corporate stuff and the entrepreneur world and things like that. And I just love her journey and her honesty and her transparency about it. And honestly, like, one of the things that really stuck out to me, and I connected with Holly probably a, a couple months ago now and um what i liked was like how she was able to still have a successful launch when her instagram got pulled down and like she's one of those prime examples where she had over 15,000 followers on instagram where everybody's telling you build build your business on instagram it's great and like don't get me wrong instagram is a really wonderful platform and stuff like that but It's just another example that we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. And so when that happened, she ended up coming back to Instagram a couple of weeks later. And now I think at the time of this recording, she's got maybe around 600 followers. But like her whole thing is like, this can fucking happen to anybody. Like, do not just build your business solely on Instagram. And I think that's what empowered her even more to step into the anti-social business strategy even deeper. And she says, ditch the social drama. And like, I just fucking love that. I think that it's so great because like social media does bring a lot of drama to our lives and just like our nervous systems in general, whether we're a business owner or not. And another thing that I really wanted to highlight here is that Holly walks us through her journey of becoming an entrepreneur. And like when she really started this business, she launched a course. And that was, she was like, I'm gonna do the course model. This is what I'm gonna do. She launched it. She only had four students in her course. And a lot of people would be like, fuck dude, I just started my business. I just launched this course. I only have four people in here, but she kept going. And like, she didn't think that quote only- Four people was a failure. It was more of kind of like we say on this podcast, like it was testing and tweaking, it was getting data points. She ended up learning that that course wasn't going to be like her end all be all. And in the episode, she dives into what she ended up doing. But I just think that, yet again, just another example. So I think you guys are really truly going to love this episode. I feel like we're going to be talking about it and referring back to it quite a lot in the next season. So Holly helps female entrepreneurs create simple, scalable offers and systems to grow to multiple six figures without relying on the social algorithm. An industry expert and featured in Thrive and Entrepreneur.com, Author with a 20-year business consulting background with Fortune 500 companies, Holly runs her strategic coaching business, the Crush the Rush Planner Company, and hosts the top 100 Crush the Rush podcasts while raising her twin daughters with her husband in Columbus, Ohio. And with that, let's just get into the episode. Holly, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. We are so excited to dig into this. I feel like your your business model, how you like walk and talk and grow like your business is just so much aligned with I think like where our audience and how our audience is interested in growing their business. I know me and Shay are interested in growing our businesses that way and I'm just really excited to kind of dig into all of this juice that you have um can you kind of just start us off like in the beginning like i know that you're an entrepreneur and like you help online business owners with like business scaling and marketing and all of that but like how the fuck did you get here
2: yeah oh, i love this question um so i'm going to tell you a story about ice cream and that's kind of how i got here So if you, we were just talking about the Midwest. So I don't know if you guys um, follow Jenny's ice cream. She's like an amazing entrepreneur. She actually started her ice cream shop um, in Columbus, Ohio. Like the original store is here. Um, It's like one of my favorite places to take my clients when they come here. But I, well, one, I always say like, I'm, I'm a little bit older, so I'm 44. I have a 22 year corporate strategy background. So I went down the whole path of, I'm going to go to, you know, college, I'm going to do what they tell me, I'm going to follow the path. I'm going to get the big fancy job with the team and the office. And like, you get the door that closes where you have the chairs where people come sit in your office. And I just remember sitting there like, um, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, and so I kind of had that like gut feeling, but also at the time getting back to the Jenny's ice cream story, I was getting my master's degree. And so I had worked for my consulting company at the time to pay for it. And I was like, this is the thing, like I'm going to you know, do the thing and I'm getting my graduate degree and it's, you know, it's at Ohio state, which is a really great school and all these things. And Jenny came to talk to us in our class And she was talking about how she had started this business. And at this time she was doing very well. Um, but she wasn't talking about ice cream. She was talking about how her goal was to make an impact in the community, which if you follow her now, she's totally doing that. Like she's very much, um, just an inspiration in what she's doing and teaching, uh, and has really nothing to do with ice cream. And I was like, wow, that is really awesome. Like, I don't think what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I just remember like, oh, this is like, I can't have this thought right now because I'm like in it, right? Like I'm in the job, I'm in the, like, I got to pay back my, like you have to work a certain amount of time so you can like pay back what they pay for the school. And I was like, what do I do? And so it just kind of like sat there for a moment, but that was like the first time where I was like, I don't think I can do this for like the next 10 years. So that was like the question that I always ask my clients and I share is, can you do what you're doing? Like, if you look at your everyday life, can you do what you're doing for the next 10 years? And I just remember sitting there like, no, like I can't. And at the time I didn't have children. Now I have twins um, who are nine. And I was just like, I can't, I can't do it. Like this is, I got to do something different. So I kind of had this like urge inside and I didn't know what it was going to turn out to be. So I turned it into, well, I'm just going to do something with what I have. And so I ended up like starting some women's leadership groups inside my corporate job. Like, okay, well, I really like to teach. How can I just make more of a difference or how can I just enjoy what I'm doing more? Uh, Which led to some different opportunities and eventually led to the point where I was like, I really think that I could do this myself. Like I'm teaching my job was in corporate strategy and customer experience. And it's like, I'm teaching these really big companies how to do this. Like, why couldn't I teach women to build businesses? Cause that would be way more fun and it would make much more of an impact going back to that Jenny's ice cream story. So I decided in January of 2020, I'm an Enneagram three and a manifesting generator. And I like to make lists and like give myself these little challenges. And I was like, I'm going to give myself one year to start a business. Like I literally like woke up one day and was like, this is what I'm going to do. So I hired a coach. I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. I like did it all backwards. Um, and we decided, okay, well, let's start a podcast because I thought, well, if I just put myself out there and I start talking about the things that I know and I educate and I help eventually I'll figure out what I want to do. What I didn't know is our podcast episode came out the very first day that the first case of COVID hit the United States. So here I am, I'm on this like one year challenge. I'm like $10,000 in because I hired a coach and the world is like literally shutting down. And the company that I worked for at the time like didn't know how to work work remotely. My girls are in kindergarten. So now we're doing like Zoom teaching. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the worst idea I've ever had. But also I'm like in it now, like I can't go back. So we just kept going. And I, that's the point of the story is it was just sort of like one sort of nudge after the other. Like it was the nudge sitting in the back of the class. And then it was the nudge to like, okay, well, maybe I can do something with what I have. And then it was like, okay, well, maybe I should like actually ask somebody, how do I do this? And then it was starting the podcast. And then I used the podcast really as my platform to gather information and to educate. And that's really where sort of the whole thing started. So people kept asking, like, how are you doing this? How are you building a business and working full-time and, you know, raising my girls? And so I just started answering the questions and then we ended up growing from there. Uh, which is a much longer story, but that's how we got started. Like it was just this, like I don't know, like this gut feeling. Like I think people want this, like you know, textbook answer, and I don't think it ever is. <laughs> but I think everyone has those like gut feelings of like I know I need to do something different. And so my textbook answer is ask yourself, can you keep doing what you're doing for the next ten years? And if the answer is no then try something different. And I always say like, to me, entrepreneurship or life really is like trying something and then pivoting and then trying something again and then pivoting. And then eventually you're going to figure out what the thing is that you're really excited about, which thankfully is where we are now. So now three years in, um, I was able to leave my corporate job and my husband and I actually work together. Um, and I feel like I could do this forever. Like I am able to answer my question now. So
0: I absolutely love that story. Um, (laughs) I really like the Ginny's piece. I've been a big fan of theirs for a long time. And I didn't know that about her as a person. So I love to hear that. Um, I've also had a few moments where I'm like, seeing um, someone that is just in a leadership role, like in doing what they're here to do and feeling really inspired and like, that question you said of like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? I feel yeah. like every single person listening to this podcast right now has gotten hit with that. And like, it really stung. <laughs> so uh, right. definitely resonate. And I appreciate that advice. Cause I do think we're all looking for like this magic answer. So it's wonderful to hear for you. It was more of this process of tweaking and refining and listening, listening to what people mm-hmm. are asking. And then um you know what I'm kind of curious about is like after a bit of that listening how did you turn that into like an offer or a service that you provided
2: Yeah so that's the second most asked question that I get and I would say so to me the number one thing that you can do is if you don't know what to do next is listen to what people are asking you because that's generally where your area of expertise are so my very first offer was actually a course on productivity I don't have it anymore but that's what people were asking me. They're like, how are you structuring your day so that you can run a business, create a business, you know, raise two children and work full time. And so that's what I did. Now it was a complete, I wouldn't say flop. I had four students. I made like a thousand dollars. It wasn't like uber successful, but it taught me, you know what? I don't think this course is like the end all be all to like what I'm going to do. So let's pivot again. And so I always say like, whatever you launch, put it out there, see what people think. And then it's going to tell you, you know, whether or not it's the success you want, it's going to tell you what they want and then you can give them what they need the next step. Like it's always teaching you something. And so I took that information and I actually then flipped the entire model and said, you know, I'm not going to re- be able to retire on a thousand dollars. And at this point, I'm like nine thousand dollars in the hole. So I actually going to create a mastermind next, um, which is a little bit backwards than what most people do. But I was like, I have like twenty years experience. Like people are asking me how to build a business. Like why would I not use that? Um, and so that's what I did. So I launched the Mastermind. Like eight months into our business, um, and it's been like I call it like our business baby. Like it's my favorite thing to teach, um, and it really kind of set us up for all the things uh, we have now because I was able to listen to those students and then create the things that they were asking for. Fuck collie. I
1: feel like there's so <laughs> many different paths that I could go on. A couple, a, a couple things. So I'm really glad. Like this is just it's all divine timing, right? And like you mentioning that like you started your business like the big first successful offer was a mastermind and how you're like flipping things on the head. I'm really mm. glad that you brought that up because I actually polled our audience on Instagram a couple days ago and I was like, "Yo guys, we're gearing up for season 4. Like what kind of episodes do you guys want more of?" And uh some people were like, "We want more examples of like different ways to do business." And like mm. what a beautiful example of just like Yeah, you can start your business and launch a fucking mastermind if you want. You don't have to start by, like, doing done-for-you social media work or, like, done-for-you copywriting if that's not your zone of genius. And then I do want to take it back to your story and that you mentioned, like you started where you were at. Like when you were in your corporate position, you were kind of just like, okay, what can I do right now? That's going to get me even just a little bit closer. And like Mm -hmm. that ended up being like a leadership workshop within the company that you're already in. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful example that like, you don't have to put your fucking two weeks notice in and be like, yes, I've decided that this ain't it. Now I'm burning this corporate gig to the ground. I'm throwing, I'm throwing everything into the online business. It's like, It doesn't have to be that drastic, even though A, we assume that it does. Mm -hmm. B, our ego wants it to be that drastic. Mm -hmm. We're like, you know what? We are so important and just like, we are so smart and like, this is it. And once I do it, everything is going to work out perfectly. But we all know that that is rarely how it works out. And you're like, you're kind of giving an example of exactly why we started this podcast. Like the answer to growing not only like a business that you love, but like a lifestyle that you love, a career mm-hmm. that you love in whatever way that looks like, it's listening to the nudge. It's literally following curiosity. And yeah. like there's a, I, I feel like I could go on like the whole fucking episode about just like all of the juice nuggets that that you dropped right there. And like Yeah,
2: I'll give you I'll give you one more. So one of the things that I was really intentional with is. I mean, corporate, You, we could do a whole episode about like corporate burnout. And I mean, I was already working a lot of hours. And so I was like, I can't create a business where I'm working even more like it because I won't like I won't last. I won't make it 10 more years like it just won't work. Um, And so I really had to be intentional about, well, what's the life? And I know people hear this all the time. Like, what's the life that you want to exist? Because for me, yes, it's about income because we like, you know we have a family and other things to support, but it's like, well, what do I want my, to me, it was more about schedule. Like, what do I want my schedule to look like? Like I want to be able to put my kids on the bus in the morning without having to move 12 meetings. And I want to be able to like go for a walk at two o'clock in the afternoon without it being stressful. And I want to be able to like see daylight, you know, at certain hours. I mean, it was like really simple things. And so I was like, how can I do that? If I can create that It doesn't to me at the beginning, it didn't matter if it was corporate job, you know, my job, whatever, like it was a merge of everything coming together. And then eventually it moved to, you know, now I work full time for myself. But at the beginning, it was just like, how do we make our schedule more like what we want it to be? So then eventually we can move to exactly what we want it to be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir on that. I think that that was one of the most fundamental business skills or advice I got in the beginning was, Like, what do you want your daily schedule to look like? You know, Mm -hmm. uh, lay it out hour by hour from wake up to go to sleep. And then how do you design the job or the business around that schedule? And it sounds obvious, like you said, but the opposite is our norm. You know, it's always schedule around job. And most people don't even know that they're allowed to think, oh, I'm allowed to redo this and think about this differently. So I think it's really freeing. It sounds simple, but like, let yourself dream. It is possible. And you can set up your own systems to support that lifestyle that you want. And then when you're setting your life up like that, all of a sudden you're more energized and you have more capacity Mm -hmm. to then go do the genius work. So it kind of like folds in on itself. Um, I love that idea. One question I have for you about the corporate piece in particular, one thing that we hear a lot, um, it struck me when you said you were teaching the same things to corporations that you were to your new clients, the women owned business owners. I think a lot of us women owned business owners have a bit of like intimidation by, Oh, what goes on in the corporate world is so much more yeah. advanced than me. So can you no. tell us like, what's the difference between the two?
2: Um, so I would say what goes on in the corporate world and what goes on in the entrepreneurship world is pretty much the same, except the corporate world just makes it way more complicated. So whenever I like talk to my clients, my clients are like, you just made that so simple. And so I feel like when I was in, um, a consulting role, like they, and I'm making this really simplified, but they bring in consultants and they're like, basically look at the big picture and then give us three steps, right? So you're an outside person and you're looking, I mean, it's not three steps. It's like a plan that's super fancy or whatever, but it's basically, I'm telling them like, let's look at the big picture and I'm going to give you three steps. And this is what you need to be successful. So as a coach, I can say, Hey, what are your goals? Tell me what you want to do. And then I can very easily tell you because I'm an outside person. This is what I think is the best path to get there, right? Because I'm not in the weeds with you. And so to me, I think this the same, you know, marketing is marketing. Uh, SEO is the same, whether or not you're in corporate or you own your own business, it's the same tactics. It's just, you need somebody to break it down for you to make it in an actionable, simple way that you can apply. And I think, I personally think in the corporate world, it just gets, you know, complicated because there's like departments and people and leadership and all the things. And so that's where my role came in. And I, you know, I just tried to simplify it. So I was like, well, if I could make it simple for business owners, then I can apply the same things that I'm teaching. I can still teach the customer journey. I can still teach where your income comes from. I can still teach really basic marketing things that have worked for, you know, fifty years outside of social media that's ever changing. But like it still works. the the basis of strategy still works. And so I really just like to keep it simple and structured um because we get that like shiny object syndrome where we feel like we have to have like eight thousand things in place when we start our business and you don't. Like you can literally go make money right now without anything. I mean, you need a link for somebody to pay you, but that's it. Like you really don't need anything else. And so I really just like um, to simplify things, I think would be my answer to your question.
1: <laughs> I'm really glad the conversation went there. And I feel like it was like, for like your answer was like directed at me personally. Like, I mean, we're, we'll just give like the audience like an example. So it's like, I taught myself SEO. And so I've been teaching online business owners and just all um, like that arena. But it's like, I've been feeling this call to really educate on a deeper level and like Mm -hmm. educate bigger brands and bigger businesses Mm -hmm. and like bigger marketing teams about SEO. Because a lot of the times, as we know, it's like they'll have a marketing director and then expect Mm -hmm. them to know every single thing about marketing. But SEO is really complex, but it's like, I've always had this... um, this like wall of just like, I'm not qualified to go in and to teach corporate or to teach these bigger businesses or like whatever my approach to SEO. But the more that I talk to people that have been in that corporate world, because to be honest, I didn't. Like I was never in the corporate world. I got started in my business when I was 22 after like hopping around like all of these random ass jobs. And so it's just, it's really nice to consistently hear that like, yo, corporate and the online business world, although there is very obvious differences. There's also similarities. And like, Mm -hmm. it comes back to the foundations of just like you said, like building a sustainable business, building the foundations of things. So I really, I really appreciate your perspective on that. And I would like to dive into uh, a different part that really sparked my curiosity about your story. Mm -hmm. So on social media, or just like it with social media in general, we're hearing all of the time, like Instagram is like the shit. Instagram is the place to grow your business, to grow your audience, to grow your following. It's where you can best connect with your people. It's how you get the best results. Like we're constantly hearing this sort of message, but what you're teaching your clients is more so of like an anti-social strategy mm-hmm. of just like building a business that doesn't solely rely on just social media. Can you kind of take us there like how did that become the thing that you really started focusing on?
2: Yeah, I mean it was accidental just like anything. Um but I will say so if you go back to like my story at the beginning, you know, I was working in a corporate office. I did not have the capacity to post online 10 times a day. I mean I joke that like my beginning posts on social media were like me standing in the parking lot, taking a selfie and thinking that that was like a great idea, but like, I, I couldn't like, cause I was in these like big meetings and I, I just didn't have the capacity to be posting all the time. And so I had to come up with like, well, what's the thing that I'm going to do to attract people to listen to what I have to say, because that can't be it. And if it is it, I have to think of a different way to be visible So I knew going in, I had to come up with a different strategy. So I now call it my antisocial strategy. I didn't call it that at the beginning. It doesn't mean that you're not social. It just means I always say it's the second act, right? So it's not the number one thing that you're focused on. So the way that I teach it is that you have a home base that you own, right? So it's like website, email, uh, something that is yours, blog. Um, Probably very similar to what you teach where, you know, you can control who is seeing what they're seeing. And then it's pointing to things that you own, which there's a whole strategy there. But then I was like, well, how can I be so visible that people are going to be like, how the heck is she doing this? Which is what people say. They're like, I don't understand how you are in so many places at one time or how you have so much information out there or how are you writing so much content? And so I decided at the very beginning to have this like ridiculous content repurposing plan that's like on steroids. So I create one piece of content, which is through our podcast. And then I have this content repurposing plan that literally goes 15 different places. And I've done it, you know, at least twice a week for three years. So, you know, we're everywhere. Like we're LinkedIn, Instagram, Pinterest. We just started a YouTube channel on Monday. Um, like we're always growing, like we're in all the places. And so that's been my go-to strategy. They're like, what's the one thing? And I'm like, well, social media has come second, but I'm, I'm very visible. Like I am in all the places, but if Instagram goes down, which it has for us twice now, it doesn't matter because I have all these other things in place, right? I've got email, I've got our website. I have SEO, I have Pinterest, I have our podcasts. Like our Instagram, we were actually up to like almost 15,000 followers and it completely disappeared, like gone. And we were talking about it before the, we started recording and you were like, oh, you were so calm about it. And I was calm. I mean, I panicked for like a minute. I mean, I think anyone would panic for a minute. Cause I was like, my team was like, Holly, I think something's wrong. Like something is not right. (laughs) Like we can't do this. And I was like, oh, it'll be back. Like, it's probably just a glitch. And then it never came back. So we have started over. I think we have like 500 followers right now. We've had like three launches since then. Like we have not skipped a beat, Um, but it's because we have everything sort of behind the scenes that's not dependent on social media. But also going back to what we were talking about time, it really helps me balance how I spend my time. So I'm focused on I'm creating educational content through podcasts that then gets repurposed. I spend my time with my clients or doing interviews like this and that's how I make my schedule work and then everything else happens behind the scenes, but it's things that we can control. I'm not dependent on the algorithm to decide if somebody's going to see something or not.
0: Oh man, I am just loving everything (laughs) you have to say. Um, One thing that we've talked a lot about, and you mentioned this as well, is I I think we all in the online business space forget that like marketing's been in existence for like all of time. And like social media is relatively new. And um, I was always, when I was getting into this, I just can't, can't do Instagram. I don't know why, it doesn't ever make me feel good. I don't ever feel inspired by it. So I was the same as you where I was like, I gotta find some way to get visible and it's not gonna be by posting on social media. It just doesn't light my fire that way. And so I was like, okay, well, what can I do? I'm social. Let me go meet a bunch of people. So when mm-hmm. I got started, it was pre-pandemic. So I like went in my city and just went to as many networking things. I joined all the co-working spaces. <laughs> like I just tried to meet people because I knew like face to face I was good. So that was like my strategy. Yeah. And we were busy, we were book solid. Like I never had any trouble. And it's funny, I start to get in these groups and everyone's like, I'm posting on Instagram a million times a week and I'm not getting any bites. And it's like, oh, like there's so many other ways to skin this cat. So I feel like the message you're sharing is such a breath of fresh air because what you're saying is like, people are putting the cart before the horse. It's like, don't Mm -hmm. start with social media. You don't own that. You know, that's kind of the after effect that can like spread the word and get you in front of new faces. But what are you doing to build your own assets and your own Mm -hmm. business and have that really strong foundation that you can then go and repurpose? And just hearing you talk about using the podcast as like, um, you know, your core content or your base content and then repurposing that in so many ways. I personally find so inspiring. So you're, yeah. you're definitely uh, educating all of us about this idea of like how to do business differently. So will you kind of take us through for you? Like what does the anti-social approach look like in your business aside from like the podcast work?
2: Yeah. So I would say 95% of our social media is repurposed. Like most of the time it's, it's something that has come from somewhere else. Um, Now I will say podcasting for me, that's the thing that I love. So when you say you love networking events, like that's the thing that I love. I've probably done, I think we said this before we started recording like 300 podcast interviews in the last two years, like that's the thing that I've gone all in on but that's the thing that I've repurposed. So if you don't have a podcast, you could have a blog. If you did do networking events, you could have somebody, I've literally had my husband do this, take like B-roll of you talking and at these events and then you could make, you know, videos out of it or make a, you know, something on your website or send an email out of it. So we take the podcast, turn it into a blog, send it out in an email. We make three Instagram posts out of one episode. Yes, I put all of them in order. I don't even care that it's the same topic. It doesn't even matter. Um, What else do we do? We put it on LinkedIn, Uh, we put it on YouTube. If I'm feeling like creative, I will take the video and actually record a reel where I'm like talking. Um, So you get like a little more face to camera, but that's probably five or six posts from one podcast, or if you don't have a podcast, um, one blog episode. So I, that would be step one. Step two is I like to say that there's, and this is going to get a little more into strategy. There's two, um, I would say like funnels that you need to have. And one is what I call a client attraction funnel. And that is something where, where you're talking or you're at networking events or you're sharing, you're pointing people to something that you own. So, you know, it's like the whole freebie or whatever, but I like to say that the freebie game is getting a little, like people know that they're going to get something free. So like, don't make it a PDF that has three bullet points on it. Like it needs to be something that's going to be like, oh my gosh, like, like she just gave me this, like, this is amazing. So like we have, um, a private podcast cause I love podcasting and it's called ditch the social drama and you it's five episodes on how to create your own framework, which was basically what I'm explaining, but it goes into more details. So I will teach you how to do that. That's sort of our, you know, client attraction strategy where you're getting to know me, I'm teaching you things you're going to get results just from that. And it's totally free. So I like to recommend that you have something that's going to get people to like, know and like, and trust you. And I mean, I think most people have heard of that strategy and that's, that's pretty standard, but the other sort of funnel that I like to have is what I call a client nurture strategy. And this is my philosophy that 80% of your income comes from 20% of your clients. So once somebody pays you money or is invested in you, how are you continuing to help them? which is also where all of my and most of my clients' ideas come from for future products or services. So if you have this like unicorn client that you love working with, like what happens when they sign up with you? Are you sending them an email? Are you sending them a card? Are you sending them um, like a thank you? Like, I can't wait to get started. Like we have a, a membership. I actually have a 90 day email sequence. Like I'm not sending you emails for 90 days. I promise. But I wanna make sure over the period of a quarter that you're getting results. So I might check in like, you know, the first two weeks and then I might check in like the first month and then I might check in two months in, right? And just seeing like, hey, how's it going? And my favorite tip for this is when you, you can automate the emails, right? So you can say like, hey, you know, we're one month in, I'm curious, have you attended one of our live calls or have you downloaded our calendar? And then ask a question. How's it going for you? How can I help you? Question mark? And then they'll respond, and then you could just have a conversation. Like it doesn't have to be this like fancy, let me give you eight hundred more tips, kind of thing. Um So that's sort of, you know my I would say my antisocial strategy in you know, five minutes. But I like to have a way that you're attracting people. And then that you're nurturing them both as, you know, somebody that you're getting to know and they're getting to know you, but also once they trust you to work with you, how are you continuing to, you know, get to know them and help them? Fucking
1: genius. Genius. And I feel like it's it's the perfect combination of like using automation and using systems to kind of like make your life a little bit easier. But mm-hmm. also remember that like the people that you're helping are not a fucking number like they right. are a human it's not just an email address it's not yes. just a data point it's not just market research like that is a human that has feelings and that is working through a problem or has different perspectives and it's like what if 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 they were like your dream client what if you just took a half hour and hopped on a coffee chat with them instead yeah. of going in with just like how can i create a product for this person and sell them. It's like, what if you just got curious about like, Hey, where are you at? Like, was there a stuck point in this area? I think that we would be blown away at like how much juice can truly come just from asking our people the right questions. Yeah.
2: How can I help you? Is like my favorite thing. So whenever my clients are like, I'm stuck, I'm like, have you asked your clients how you can help them? And it literally could get you unstuck in like 30 seconds, right? Like, or ask your, you know, whoever you're talking to, like, what are you struggling with right now? I'm so curious.
0: Well, I like the point you're making too, is a lot of this content we feel like we have to make is really one-sided. It's like, I need to tell you all these things. (laughs) And we forget the power of a simple question. And you're so right. Like, as soon as you said that, I thought of a couple examples, like a blogger I followed had asked a question, just the simplest question, you know, like, Mm -hmm. how are you doing this? Or what's your idea for an ebook? And I responded, I I was so excited that she was asking me a question. It was a simple question. And then she got back to me you know, maybe a couple of days later with like something really simple, but like now all of a sudden I'm her fan for life yes. because I'm like, oh my God, she read my email and responded to me. So it's like that, the power of asking a simple question takes it away from like this, you're fire hosing information at people mm-hmm. to a conversation. And that is really how you build trust through that like client journey. Right. So I think that's so yeah. powerful.
1: Yeah. And I like how you decided to also do like a private podcast. It's Mm, like you've realized like where the fuck your zone of genius is. And you're like, listen, I love my public podcast. That is like my main game, my main hub right there. And it's like, why would I try to recreate the wheel and then try to do some checklist when it's like, that's not my zone of genius. It might be somebody else's. Maybe they're better at design or something like that. And it's like, or even if you prefer video, it's like you can do a workshop recording. You can do whatever you want. And I think that the audio feeds... Are really, really smart because even lately and like moving forward, I've just heard so many people, like even with summits, for example, I've heard so many people being like, yo, I don't have the fucking time to sit here and to watch 20 hour long videos or interviews. Like, instead, can you just give me an audio version that can get popped into my ear and I can listen to it like on the way to the store or like on the way picking up my kids or whatever? So I think it's just like another prime example of like, You get to do this business thing any way that you want to at every step of it. Like Obviously, we have foundations and stuff, but it it comes back to not only are you asking your clients and customers the right questions, are you asking yourself the right questions? Mm -hmm. How do I want to show up? How do I want to be found? And then you love podcasts so much, your visibility strategy is being Mm -hmm. a guest on podcasts. It's like you've essentially (laughs) created this powerhouse of a business Doing exactly what you love to do. And like, what a beautiful example
2: that is. Yeah, it's funny because, yeah, I really, I really do love podcasting, like to my core. But so we created this private podcast and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, it was so fun. I was so energized about it. So then we took in our membership, I took all the content and I made it into a private podcast because I was like, well, this is way more consumable. So now in our membership, you can listen to everything. And then I did the same thing for our mastermind. So I basically have like 700 private podcasts right now. And my team is like, Holly, like you've got it. Like you cannot have more private podcasts. And I'm like, oh yes, we can. Like, because I could see people consuming it so much more than you know, a video. And it's not to say that there aren't videos there. It depends how you learn. And we want to make sure that everyone, you know, has accessibility to what they like. But, you know, most of my clients are busy or, you know, came from, you know, working in corporate or very similar to my background. And so they're listening to it on the way to work or with their kids at soccer practice. And so it's like, you have to really think about where are your clients sitting at? What are they doing? What's the one thing that they need help with right now? And then how can you deliver that? Mm,
0: I love that. Um, you know, one thing you mentioned before we press record that was really like pinging around in my head is that you are you think about your business as like a walking case study. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit more about that and what that looks like for you on the day-to-day?
2: Well, so when we um, when we lost our Instagram account the second time, so the first time we lost it, it came back. And then I was like, oh, I really got to do something with this. So we created a whole course called Antisocial School, where I teach you basically our antisocial framework. And then we lost our Instagram the second time. And I was like, I feel like the universe is telling me that like, I have to talk about this more. And right now I think we have like 500 followers and we didn't have Instagram for like three weeks. So I, when I said I'm a walking case study, like, when we were launching anti-social school a couple of weeks ago, like I had no social media, like we, it wasn't even an option. Like I couldn't even scroll. So it was like, okay, you can do this. You don't have to have it. Do you, if you want to have it, can you? Yes. If you want to have a repurposing strategy, great. But there are so many different ways that you can get your business out there. I think it really comes down to a visibility strategy and what feels good to you. If you like, you know, TikTok and dancing and all the things and like, perfect, go do it. But I think it comes down to like, what's the visibility strategy that works for you, but also know that you don't own that content. So let's think about a way that we can be smart about it and repurpose it so that you also own it as well.
1: This brings up a question for me. And just because like I've had conversations with clients that kind of ask similar questions. So like we essentially live in a really big like Quick win society. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like if I were to tell my client, well, I do tell my clients because, like, after, after. SEO is like foundational. It's kind of like, okay, like how can we move into phase two of SEO, which is like backlinks and relationship building. And like, one of the things that I'm always recommending is like being a guest on people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so many people are like, yeah, but that's like long-term. Like if I need clients today, can I get clients today from social media? Like, isn't being a guest on people's podcasts going to take a long time? So I guess like how would you approach that with a client if they were like, well, I really need some clients. So like, how is this like more long-term thing actually going to help me when social media, I feel like, oh, I could post a story and then people are going to just buy my thing right away.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm always a big data person. So I always say facts, not feelings. So I would have, like, if the question is I need to make a sale right now, I would say, who can you go have a conversation with?" Not, I need to post a a story on Instagram because let's just pretend you go the Instagram route. What's the statistic? It's like 5% of your followers might see it. And I think that's actually pretty high.
1: I think it's Do like send... 1%. I think well, it's like yeah, mad that's what I'm low. like it
2: might be 5% on a good day. <laughs> you could send an email out and like maybe if your open rates are really good it's like 40 or 50%, right? But if you had a list of like 3 or 4 people and you just had a conversation with them, you could probably make a sale in less than 30 minutes. So, if that's the goal, I mean, I would advocate that it's the relationship that matters in the short 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 term. Um, but I also think your visibility strategy has to have the short-term, the midterm and the long-term component, right? So it's like, yes, podcasting might be medium to long-term, but it's going to live on forever. Most people take, I mean, you know, this, most people take their podcast episode and it lives on a blog or whatever. Like we had, um, Jenna Kutcher on our episode, it was a, you know, a highly listened to episode, But that's not where most of the views are coming from. It's coming from people Googling Jenna Kutcher podcast now. And they're, you know, couple views down. It's now bringing up our page. So that's more of a long-term game. I think the short-term game is probably the relationships, the networking, and emails.
1: I love like, yeah, it's the fucking relationships. And like being an online business owner specifically, I feel like we write that one off we're just like yeah but i work online so like what do you mean like relationships <laughs> isn't it like i work online so like i just like post on instagram or like i just do things behind the camera and it's like nah we're also humans that are meant yeah. to be like connected in some way to other people in whatever way that works for you so it's like how are you building relationships and i feel like a lot of people well a lot of people including myself when i first got started in business i was like well my audience is technically like nationwide or worldwide and so we mm-hmm. focus on that forgetting that there are plenty of people locally yeah. that oh, we yeah. can also support and i had a client that was starting off her business doing interior design in buffalo where i used to live and she was like i don't know like how to get a sale like should i post on instagram do this do that and i was like what about the people around you i was mm-hmm. like do, like who works with interior designers or like who would recommend one it's probably going to be contractors or builders or just like in that i was like do you have relationships could you make relationships with real estate agents and all of these people like mm-hmm. just go to a coffee chat and like a coffee chat in person yeah. and like sit down with somebody and just ask them hey like let me learn about your business is there a way that i can support you and i was like because all of that it starts building on itself. Mm-hmm. And it's not a solo game like mm-hmm. social media can feel. Social media can feel like it's fuck, it's just me. It's just me out here posting right? on my <laughs> only account all by my damn self. And it's like it, we don't have to grow our businesses alone.
2: Yeah, it's like a pie chart, really. I mean, it's it's like with any business, like you need to have a healthy mix of like all the different places that you're having conversations with. But I would also advocate going back to that short-term question. So a lot of times when I have podcast interviews, like the magic that happens, and I would even say with this relationship is like, like you came and talked on my podcast, like, we're going to have you come and speak to our community. Like there's a relationship that forms there, which turns into something else. So I had a woman come and speak to our community like two weeks ago and she, I can't even, she was a, does um, story brand like website work. And my clients were like obsessed with her. And I think she got like six clients out of that one call. And I was like, that's amazing. So like, you just never know, like having a conversation and what that's going to look like is, you know, you never know what's going to come out of it, whether it comes out of it, like really quickly or, you know, further down the line.
1: Just wanted to slide in here mid-episode and fill you in on some cool things quick. So we are in our third season of Curiously Guided, and there's nothing that fires us up more than making this podcast and hearing all the positive impacts it's having on our listeners. Up until this point, this has been a pure passion project, but we've got bills and expenses for this podcast, y'all. If you have the means and would love to support us in creating new episodes, feel free to head over to CuriouslyGuided.com support to buy us a coffee.
0: And if you want even um, a deeper dive, we're excited to offer. We're gonna now um, start doing some strategy sessions where you get both Mariah and I's brains on your business. And um, there's nowhere else in the world where you can. We Mariah and I both don't work with people in such micro ways, so this is kind of a cool thing to get both of us looking at your business in kind of like a one-off strategy session. Just imagine us two and you together diving deeper on your business, marketing, sales, and everything in between, um, all while filtering it through the lens of strategy, energetics, and energetics, which you know is our style. So if you want to learn more about what working with Mariah and I could look like, head on over to our website, curiouslyguided.com slash session to get the details. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. We appreciate you so, so much. Now let's get back into the episode. One question I want to ask you, Holly, is, um, you know, you've interviewed, you said like about 300 people now, is that right? What?
2: Are- well, so that's on other people's podcasts. Uh, so if you want to, you should just double it. Cause I think we just passed, like, I don't even know, like 350 episodes on our podcast. So what if I say I've of- gone all in, like we've gone all in on, on talking. <laughs>
0: I love that.
2: What are, I'm wondering, are there any, like, um consistent
0: themes or lessons or like takeaways that you have noticed, like now that you've interviewed so many people just about like how to be successful in this entrepreneurship world?
2: I think people that are themselves um, are my favorite interviews. And when I hear stories about just their journey and how they have utilized like their personality and what they love and how that has turned into what they do. I mean, I feel like that's the, um, probably the most inspiring. Um, and then also I feel like the women that I meet that are just, you know, really offering to help, like they're bringing such amazing advice to these episodes and, you know, you can listen to them and it might like trigger something, you know, for a listener that's going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so different than anything I've ever heard. And to me, that's like, that's just the magic of doing all of these different uh, conversations.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that especially with us being like the business owner and stuff like that, we forget that we have a story that's inspiring to other people. And so like, I remember when I first got into business, I had coaches being like, Raya, share your story. And I'm like, my fucking story. What do you mean? Mm. My story? Like, it's not interesting. Like, I, it's not an interesting story. It's not going to wow anybody. Like, what do you mean? But like, as I've been interviewed on podcasts and asked certain questions, I feel like some some common threads keep being pulled yeah. through. And when we interview people on this podcast, it's like, sometimes we even get, guests that are like, I didn't even think about it like that. And we're just like, yo, your story is fucking incredible and like inspiring and motivating. And just like, it's a perfect reminder- and me, me and Shay say this all the time that like we often can't read the label when we're inside the jar. And so I feel like yeah. having these conversations, whether you're the interviewer or the interviewee, having these conversations and just being able to pull back the curtain and share your story, even if you don't know what your story is yet, just you showing up and sharing your perspective, your tone, your personality, just like how you see the world is insanely valuable to people. And I feel like it's so easy to forget in a world that like wants us to water down our message. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, you get better at it too. I mean, I always say, even if you don't love podcasting, like being able to introduce yourself tell people what you do. Cause I'm like, if you can't tell people what you do and people don't understand it, like, how are you expecting somebody online to just understand what you do and pay you to do it? So it's great practice to just get yourself out there and be comfortable talking about what you're an expert in, even if you don't do 300 of them, right? Like you don't have to do it if that's not your favorite thing to do. I do think that's fantastic
0: advice. Cause like Mariah said, it's really hard. I feel like we're all hearing the advice. It's all about story. Tell your story. Stories are what's memorable, you know? And like you started with your Jenny's story and like, that's the one thing that we're all going to remember. So I do think it's powerful, but yeah, like owning your story and coming up with your story it's not something that comes naturally for me so I've had the same experience by being interviewed by other people I was terrified the first few times but it starts to come out and you start to practice your language and then the next time it gets a little smoother and even when we were getting ready for this interview this morning I was like thinking to myself at our first episode our first guest I was terrified like getting ready you know shaking and then today I was like I don't have that anymore. I'm like excited. I'm pumped. I'm looking forward to it. So it is like a muscle you build over time. Um, so if you're finding yourself rolling your eyes at like the storytelling advice, (laughs) me too. And just know that like, it kind of comes through imperfection and letting yourself be a little awkward and just letting it come out wrong because through that, it gets a little smoother and a little better for sure. Um, okay, Holly, I have another question for you. Sorry for all the oddballs. Would you, if someone were to ask you now, um, do you feel like you're doing what you're supposed to be doing?
2: What would you say? Uh 110%. I could totally do this forever. Um and the reason why, I will tell you the reason why. So, one of the things that we did when um I left my corporate job is I was like, I am not I'm never going to forget the moment that I was able to like step into what I really wanted to step into. So, we have this rule in our family that once a quarter we travel. Now, the ultimate goal is that we are able to travel overseas or somewhere extravagant, right? Like that's the dream. Um, But so, so far we've been able to take our girls to Scotland and England. Um, We've like taken them out West. Uh, We're, you know, traveling different places in the United States. Um, And so it's been over a year and we've stuck to it. Um, And to me, like going back to, I always say, you know, money is a great motivator, but sometimes the experiences, well, I would say it is the experiences and the lifestyle and the schedule that is more motivating. And so when, you know, you think about, well, what are you doing and how's that leading up to what you want to do? Well, I can, you know, put my kids on the bus and I can get them off the bus. I'm going roller skating with an entire third grade class next week. Like we're taking them on vacation Um, in two weeks. Like we're taking them to an Ed Sheeran concert this summer. Like we're able to do some really cool things that are not, we're not, it's just not possible in the schedule that we had before. So for me, it really, truly comes down to schedule, but like, I really like, I really like my days. Like they're really fun. Oh my
1: God. I wish my mom took me to an Ed Sheeran concert. (laughs) I mean, Ed Sheeran, like,
2: like, I don't Sheeran, think I've never I was... been to a concert before, so I don't know. I failed at the Taylor Swift ticket, so this is, I think this will be just as fun. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's you know what. My mom, my very first concert, it was a free concert before they got big, but my mom was really into country and she took me to the Dixie Chicks. Mm. And so, the Dixie Chicks, like, they were up on this hill, they were basically. amazing. And, like, we were sitting on a blanket, like, listening to the Dixie Chicks. And, like, that was my first concert. And to this day, it's, like, one of my favorite memories. And, like, whenever I hear a Dixie Chicks song, it just, like, takes me back to, like, that innocence of being a child and like yeah i think just creating a business that supports the lifestyle that we want to live that supports the experiences because like i'm i'm a really big experience person too like i value mm-hmm. experiences very highly mm-hmm. and i think that that is such an important thing to consider when we are thinking about our schedule when we're thinking about this business that we're going to create and i know that you talk about sometimes on your podcast and just like in other places like multiple income streams. Now Mm -hmm. having multiple income streams, is this kind of how you're able to support the business and like infuse these experiences in? Like how how does that kind of come into play?
2: Yeah. I mean, so you can think about it twofold. Uh, One, you can have multiple income streams in your business. And then I think, you know, just from a, like a family income perspective, you can also have multiple income streams. So, I mean, this really plays into I think my strategy background is when we really started thinking about okay if we're going to you know step outside of a you know guaranteed salary like what does this really look like so we knew obviously that we had the mastermind income coming in but like how do you have different you know places where people can infuse income into your business and you're helping people at different levels And so the way that I like to think of it is a lot of times you'll hear like low ticket, mid ticket, high ticket. I like to think about it as beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And so what I teach is the same thing. Like I'm teaching you the same thing, but I might just be giving you like a little bit at the beginner level because you're not ready for me to just like throw these advanced funnels and all these things at you at, you know, at that level. So beginner might be like a freebie and a low ticket course, Um, and you know, intermediate might be a membership where you start to get some different things. And we also have a planner, right? So you could infuse some products in there. Um, you could have, you know, a mastermind or a higher ticket or one-on-one, or, you know, we have alumni or different things that like people don't even see online that you can offer some of your clients. And so I really like to sit down And it's as easy as like taking a piece of paper and drawing three columns and saying like beginner, intermediate, advanced, what can I offer or what can I create with what I have that can meet people where they're at? And it doesn't mean that you have to create it all at one time. It just means eventually, if you were going to look at the big picture, people are able to come and join you at different levels based on what they want. And so that's where our different income streams came from now when you look at our Business model, but you know, also from a family perspective, you've got like 401k and stocks and things like that. And one of the quotes that I like to share is that most billionaires have seven passive income streams, like seven. So I was using Reese Witherspoon the other day when I was giving this example. And I was like, well, I think she makes like $20 million just for like the morning show. That's like one thing, right? Then she made like $900 million for her sale of um, her production company. That's another thing. She's got a clothing line. um, She's got real estate. Like she's got all of these things. And so when you're like, if you're you're in the position I was where you're trying to, you know, really replace a decent salary, sometimes you have to think about it of, you know, okay, my business is going to bring in this. But then maybe here's another opportunity that's going to bring in this. And then here's another opportunity that's going to bring in this. And then, you know, you're just playing around with it. And so you're not putting all of your eggs in one basket. Sometimes that's all of your business. Sometimes it's not. Um, My husband's in real estate. That's another income stream for us. And so it's, I like to just tell people, like, look at the big picture and just like be creative. It doesn't have to be this, like, I have to sell 800 courses to make a million dollars kind of answer. Like there's so many different ways and you can be creative and just, you know, start to think a little bit differently about how that's possible.
0: I think that's such great advice. We actually had a, fin- a financial planner come on the podcast and she shared that like how she thinks about getting to her retirement goals. It's more of an mm-hmm. exercise in creativity than anything mm-hmm. else. And I thought that was so inspiring because we're not hearing that message when you're listening to retirement advice. Like, be creative. Right. <laughs> but we're in a new economy. Like there's so many ways to earn money. It's it's limitless, right? So I think um allowing yourself to go there is really, really powerful. I am curious. Yeah. I had a business with my husband for a while and I've shared on the podcast before it wasn't the right fit for us. How did you yeah. and your husband know that it was like the right time and like you wanted to bring him in?
2: Uh, well at the beginning he's like free labor <laughs> <being> honest, because <laughs> I was like, okay, I really need help. I can't do this by myself. Um, this is what you can help with. And he's really good with data and numbers. And so it started more of like behind the scenes of like Let's start looking at, you know, business analytics and SEO, and let's really pay attention to where things are coming from. Um, And then, so we have a, a physical planner and with that comes like a whole nother thing of like taxes and support and shipping. And that like was taking a lot of time for me. And so I was like, okay, well, if I could just outsource that. So then he took over that. So that was like another section that he took over. So he does like all of our support emails and like password resets and things like that. Um, And then most recently I was doing all of the bookkeeping and I was like, I just, it's not my thing. Like, I don't, I know how to do it. I think it's really important that you know how to do it, but it's not like my zone of genius. And so he took over all of that. It's like, it's amazing. It's freed up so much time. And so he does all of that. Um, and you know, how did I know it was a good fit? Well, we work really well together. Um, but also we have the same vision. Like we know what we want for our family. We know, you know, what we're working towards. Um, and we know, you know, I think that we're on the same page of, of how we're going to get there. Uh, there are, there are days when it's like, okay, I'm just going to go for a walk by myself (laughs) because we're like in the same house all day. We share an office. Um, like we have this big table, we're in the same room. Um, but it's been really fun. Like, I mean, we've been married 17 years, so we're used to being around each other, but, um, it's been really cool. I think our neighbors are like, what are you guys doing? I don't understand, (laughs) but it's been really fun.
0: Tell us a little bit about that vision. If you will, I'm going to ask you this classic sales question. Like if you could wave a magic wand, what do the next few years look like for you?
2: Yeah. So I have a quote on my vision board that says if your dream only includes yourself it's not big enough. So we're really we just like massively expanded our team. Um so we're really sort of thinking about like, you know, what does that look like? Like are people doing the right things? How are we streamlining so that we can better serve our clients? Uh we just sort of redid our entire mastermind. Um So we gave that a makeover. I'm like a big fan of going back and like read, not redoing your products, but like giving them like a little facelift as things change. So we've been doing that a little bit. Um, I don't know if we'll come out with anything new, but I think it's probably more like in person things and traveling and experiences. Like, I'm not sure what that looks like, but that's like, that's what I really love. So however that plays out, um, that's kind of where we're going.
1: What another beautiful example of like, you don't always have to
2: create new (laughs) shit. (laughs) You don't. And I'm really like, I'm taking my own advice, like, because I created a lot in a really short amount of time. And a lot of times I think people don't need more data to consume. They need help being able to implement the next thing. So Mm -hmm. that's really, I always say like, do less better. So like, how do we do less better? That's where we're going right now.
1: Yeah. This is a conversation that we've brought into the... Well, I don't know if we brought it into the podcast a lot, but me and Shay kind of talk about this of just like, we can consume content. We can consume information. We can learn things. We can buy courses. Like There is no shortage of information out there. What there is a shortage of is A us taking personal responsibility to take the time to fucking integrate it. Because Mm -hmm. we all know that we see results when we don't only learn something, it's about the implementation, it's about the integration. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something important that we have to consider as consumers and as business owners of just like, are we offering our clients a way to integrate and implement or are we just staying in the education phase of it and then creating new things to educate people on, which is Mm -hmm. something that I have to call myself out on some, Mm -hmm. like sometimes I'm like, I could, I could create some shit. I love some how tos, some tutorials, some education. I can get stuck in the sauce with that, but it's so important to be able to offer people just like a way to integrate information and like that doesn't have to look like creating some big fancy program or some big fancy thing like what if you just had like i i am basically thinking of kind of what i just launched like an seo sprint how it's like yeah we Mm -hmm. can figure out your seo strategy but like we're also going to carve out time to implement it because what mm-hmm. i realized from chatting with my clients we would do like an seo strategy intensive and they were like yo this is killer i'm so stoked about it but they wouldn't carve out the time to actually implement it so they were procrastinating on the implementation piece and i think mm-hmm. as a business owner like what a beautiful mid-level option or intermediate option that we can start offering our clients that doesn't include us having to create like a brand new fucking program or mm-hmm. course or something
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think that's, you know, at the beginning you do need to create things because you need to get the ball rolling, but then at some point, like you just need to get stuff done. Like you need to get it out there and start taking action and then looking at the results and then taking more action and looking at the results. So I'm excited for this phase. I, you know, everyone asks me and I'm like, I'm not super sure, but we're just, you know, we just keep going. So here we are. I love that. I'm wondering,
0: like, um, lately we've been talking about a, a lot about like natural rhythms and practices and rituals you can do to like yeah. set yourself up. And you've shared a lot of really good, just like gyms of like beliefs that you have. What have been some of like the core either beliefs that you have around running a business or even like practices that you do to like set yourself up? Well, like what have you found to like, um, what's the secret behind your success? But Like, what are you doing well, to take care of yourself?
2: <laughs> I feel like I'm really bad at this. And you know, I If I ever write a book, I think it's going to be how to unravel yourself from the corporate world because it has taken a minute to do that because I feel like when you are required to be at a certain level at a certain time on certain days, there are things that you do to, that you have to do just to survive. Like you get up at a certain time, you do things in a certain way. And when that structure is taken away and you've done it for 20 years, it's really different. Like, and I feel like, you know, we're a year and four months in now of not having that. And I feel like I'm finally getting comfortable with changing my routine. Like it's taken that long for me to be like, Holly, you don't have to get up at 5.00 AM. Like, because it's just, it's like in my head, it's like, well, I'm, I'm not going to be successful if I don't get up and work out and do this and do that and do that. Um, so, my routines are are, I think, shifting right now. We'll say that. Um, one thing I am trying to do just recently is I'm a big consumer of like reading business books. I, I love them. Like, I mean, I probably read two to three a month, and I stopped. So, I'm reading for fun this year. Um, so that's one thing and it's very different. It's really uncomfortable for me. I feel like I'm like failing because I'm not like learning all these new things, but I feel like in order to get to the next level, I have to like tap into this, like creative space more. Um, I also have like a little challenge for myself where we're trying to walk outside for an hour every single day, which if you live in Ohio, (laughs) it's not really the best, um, plan, especially during certain seasons. But I'm trying to just like embrace the fact that I have the capacity to do things that are going to maybe inspire me to do the next thing. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question because I feel like I'm in this like weird transition phase um, because I used to be really regimented of like, I have to do this and then I have to do this and then I have to do that. Um I do journal every morning pretty consistently so that that's something that sort of grounds me. And then um, my girls and I read Harry Potter every night. So we <laughs> also do that.
0: I love like, that. I'm also glad you brought that up because that was one thing I experienced when I went out on my own too. It was like my nervous system was behind my brain like i knew that i wanted the easy schedule that i could go out in the park and relax yeah, on a nice afternoon but then when i was out there i was freaking out i was like oh my god I'm, i i yeah. sh- it's it's between 9 to 5 like i should be at a desk right now oh my god and so like and think about since we were in kindergarten we've all been living that same mm-hmm. structure or even before that for a lot of us so it took me over a year to like yeah. allow myself. It was like, I was doing the things I said I wanted, but I did not feel safe in it. Like I felt activated. I felt yeah. like something was wrong. And I think acknowledging that it, it's not easy just to quit your corporate life and go live the entrepreneurial dream. There's yeah. like, There's also <laughs> this like subconscious element of like rewiring your patterns that I think people don't really factor in or consider, but I absolutely experienced that as well. And then the other thing I wanted to say was the reading for fun. That was something that I had a friend, Rebecca, who was a former podcast guest. I was like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling activated all the time. And she's like, well, have you, I've just been reading for fun. And it's like the most calming thing. And I was like, what? Reading for fun? I haven't read for fun in a decade. And it's funny. It's so I feel wonderful. Like after the fact, I feel so calm and like, I didn't, I was the same as you. I was like, this is a waste of time. I could be reading business books, right. but there's like, something magic time. in the creativity piece. Like I found that like my thoughts are more creative. So read for fun. I think that is like such great advice.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think all three of us are kind of similar in this way. And Shay, have you taken your Enneagram? I know yeah. Holly said she's a three. What, a what number are you? You're a 6, a six? Mm-hmm. I took my Enneagram like seven years ago and I was a type eight. And then I just never like ever since then, I was like, I mean, yeah, like my voice is strong and like I can say some shit, but like I never really vibed with it. And then I just took it yesterday and I'm a three. And I was like, this is very fascinating to me. And so that kind of connected some dots and I don't know too much about it maybe we can have somebody on the podcast to talk about the enneagram but it's like uh being motivated by like success and like achieving and i found myself kind of being in a similar pattern even not coming from a corporate world like just the societal programming of things of just being like a 9 to 5 and it's like well i can't be people won't take me seriously in business if i don't start meetings until 11 because in the corporate mm-hmm. world when you're successful when you're professional you start meetings at 8 or nine. And it took me a while to be like, wait a minute, I'm the boss here because it's like I was the boss, but like I wasn't giving myself credit that I was the fucking boss. And mm-hmm. even with Andrew, he ended up quitting his job when we moved from Buffalo to North Carolina. And he doesn't have a job right now. And I'm noticing it with him because he used to work at a factory, like doing steel and like whatever. And he was so regimented in his thing. And I'm seeing him now where he's, like, sitting on the couch and, like, you know, he's drinking his coffee and he's got, like, a blanket over his head. And he's just, like, I feel like a waste of space today. And I was, like, why? And he's, like, because they didn't get anything done. And I was, like, is there something that you have to get done? I was, like, can we, like, sit with some questions about this? Because, like, why do we feel like we always have to, like, check something off of the list? Because we we really don't. Sometimes just like fucking making ourselves a solid lunch is good enough for the day. Sometimes just like allowing ourselves to sit with our coffee in a comfy blanket is like exactly what we need. And it's interesting because when I moved here, to, to like the mountains in North Carolina, I didn't realize how zapped my nervous system was. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how subtly stressed I was because it's like in Buffalo around all of my friends and my family and all of this stuff. It's like, I could always run away. Like I could always find something to do and like keep my mind busy and solve somebody else's problems or read a business book because that felt productive to me. Mm-hmm. But like when I moved up here, I was like, I, it's a, it takes a half hour to drive to the go- grocery store and an hour to drive to target and i was like there is nothing that i can like run away to and like moving up here really inspired me to start reading non-business books like mm-hmm. i joined a book of the month thing and i was like wait a minute i can just like relax and let my brain be taken away on some fictional story and like it's not checking off a box but like on a different level, it is checking off a box of just like me relaxing. And I just find that this is like so common in entrepreneurs or just like achievers or doers or just like we have these visions, we want to make them come to life. And we just put so much pressure on ourselves to like do it right fucking now. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, I love that story.
0: Well, I think that's like an awesome transition into like our final question. So Holly, the question that we love to wrap up the podcast episode and ask every guest is um, what's been sparking your own curiosity lately? What kind of rabbit holes have you been going down?
2: Oh, that is a good question. Um, So you mentioned Enneagram. I've been really into um, human design lately. So it's really, um, it's a lot like, it's a lot to process, but I've been slowly like learning more about that. I don't count that as a business book, just so we're clear. Like that's more fun. It's different.
0: It's different. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So I've been leaning into that. Um, I've also been following slash just interested in the whole AI thing um, for two reasons. One, like it's here. So I'm trying to figure out like, what does that mean? But also, you know, when you talk about your visibility strategy, Like all of the, you know, the people that are, you know, out there that are big names, they're all using it to their advantage. And so I like to, you know, sort of pay attention to like, okay, like, how can we use this to help, you know, us? Um, So I've been going down a couple rabbit holes there. Um, And then... (laughs) For fun, you know, I love good reality TV. I don't know when this airs, but I went down the whole like Vanderpump rules on Bravo and is like a whole thing right now. Um, so that's where I've been spending my free time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you said you're a manifesting generator, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: In true manifesting generator fashion, you're like, oh, just these three things. That just I'm, these like, three juggling. things I'm juggling around.
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like three,
2: three, a list. There's always a list.
0: <laughs> I also think it's funny, like human design and AI are like, right. Exactly. Mariah's right now too. What did you learn about? Um, what did you find interesting about learning that you're a Manny general
2: um, so I think the thing that is interesting to me is I'm a two four and a two I'm, is i am a hermit. I'm a two four
0: too. Yeah, yeah.
2: And the hermit thing has like blown my mind, and in a good way because I like love stuff like this. Like I love going to events. I we host a mastermind events and retreats, but what I have found from like this hermit tendency is I need time to recover, and the way that I recover is by myself. Um. And I, it needs to be like quiet, like I can't have like any interruptions And in my, like I was listening, I can't remember listening to it. And it was like, if you're a two, four and you're like in the zone and somebody asks you a question, like, you're like, what? Like, because it's like, you're, you don't like you're in your mode. Right. Um. So I think that's been like a big game changer for me is just figuring out, like when I do have very external facing things, how am I? uh, recovering? Like, what does that recovery look like? Um, and just being more aware of that.
0: I have to be so careful with like, with my husband interrupts me and not responding with like, so hateful. I definitely have that. Like <laughs> I'm in the zone. Yeah. <laughs> so, not
2: now. I need like a sign.
0: <laughs> I, and the interesting thing about two, four, it's like the two opposites, right? So the other half, mm-hmm. the four is very social and out there. So I like how you're thinking about it. It's like, how do I balance that with time to recharge? Um, I definitely relate to that too. Cool. Well, this was really incredible. Holly, I can't thank you enough. Um, where can our people like, uh, go in the deep dive of you and follow along and get to know you a little more?
2: I feel like we talked about so much, but if you want to learn sort of my, uh, full anti-social strategy and, you know, just get a taste of my love for podcasting, you can just go to hollymariehaines.com forward slash social. Um, and I will share with you my like five-step framework. You can put together your own anti-social strategy. Uh, we just added some new bonus episodes and yeah, I'm behind the scenes answering all your questions. So come say hi.
1: We will definitely add the link to that along with Holly's website in the show notes below. But I think we're going to close this episode down. If you guys enjoyed this episode, feel free to screenshot it, share it with a friend, share it with us on social media. If something popped out to you, totally DM us. You guys, y'all know that we love connecting with you.
0: And as always, thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review so we can all continue to grow together. And until next time, remember that you have the power to create whatever the fuck you want. Follow the nudge, ask questions, and let curiosity guide the way. We'll see you in the next episode.